The Bible reading is from Genesis chapter 8 and 9 and can be found on page 7 of the Church Bibles. But God remembered Noah and all of the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens have been closed, and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The water receded steadily from the earth, and at the end of the hundred and fifty days the water had gone down. And on the seventeenth day of the seventh month the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The waters continued to recede until the tenth month, and on the first day of the tenth month, the tops of the mountains became visible. After forty days, Noah opened a window and made, he, made, he had made in the ark and sent out a raven, and it kept flying back and forth until the water had dried up from the earth. He sent out a dove to see if the water had receded from the surface of the ground, but the dove could find nowhere to perch because there was water all over the surface of the earth. So it returned to Noah in the ark. He reached out his hand and took the dove and brought it back to himself in the ark. He waited seven more days and again sent out the dove from the ark. When the dove returned to him in the evening, there in its beak was a freshly plucked olive leaf. Then Noah knew that the water had receded from the earth. He waited seven more days and sent out the dove again, but this time it did not return to him. By the first day of the seventh month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw that the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day of the second month, the earth was completely dry. Then God said to Noah, Come out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and their wives. Bring out every kind of living creature that is with you, the birds, the animals, the creatures that move along the ground, so they can multiply the earth and be fruitful and increase in number on it. So Noah came out, together with his sons and wife and all his sons' wives. All the animals and all the creatures that move along the ground and all the birds, everything that moves on land, came out of the ark one after the other. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed bird offerings on it. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of the humans, even though, they dis even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. The fear and dread of you will fall on all the beasts of the earth and on all the birds in the sky, on every creature that moves along the ground, and on all the fish in the sea they are given into your hands. Everything that lives and moves about will be food for you. Just as I gave you the green plants, I will now give you everything. But you must not eat meat that has its lifeblood still in it. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting for every animal and from each human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God mankind. As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Multiply on earth and increase upon it. 
Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, I now establish my covenant with you and with your descendants after you, and with every living creature that was with you, the birds, the livestock, and all the wild animals, all those that came out of the ark with you, every living creature on earth. I establish my covenant with you. Never again will all life be destroyed by the waters of a flood. Never again will there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the sign of the covenant I am making between me and you and every living creature with you, a covenant of, for all generations to come. I have set my rainbow in the clouds and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant and bet between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the, rainbows, whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind of the earth. So God said to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks to be God. The account of Noah and the flood is one of the most well-known stories in the Bible. Even people who say they're probably not Christian uh, or not from any sort of religious background at all probably have some knowledge of this story. Uh, they might be able to tell you that there was a global flood, maybe they even know Noah and a man built a bloat and saved all of living creatures and all mankind through it. And they might even remember something about a rainbow. But I'd say this is probably where most people's knowledge of the story ends. Now, it might even be where our own knowledge of the story ends, right? So what actually happens after the world was flooded? Well, the first thing to mention is how long this whole event actually carried on for. So the man who built this boat was Noah, and he entered the ark, and for 40 days the floodwaters rose. Noah was in the ark for 150 days while the floodwaters were raging on. Then God sends a wind over the earth and removes the floodwaters, and this lasts another 150 days. The ark then comes to rest on a mountain, and for 40 days it was there till Noah finally sends out the raven. In total, before Noah even opens up a window on the ark, he has been in the ark for 380 days. 380 days. 13, 14 months in an ark full of animals of all kinds and the whole family. I'm not sure what your family gatherings are like, but I can imagine if you put any family in a tight, squeezy boat like that uh, with a whole bunch of animals, that's a disaster waiting to happen, right? So it's no wonder that in verse 1, it starts by saying, God remembered Noah and all the animals. Now, it's not as if God had forgotten them, though. You could easily assume that because it's been so long. But God is not forgetful. Mark 10, verse 30 says, 
Even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. The God that knows the numbers of hairs in your head, I don't think he can so easily forget Noah, right? Instead, God is remembering the promise he made to Noah. Back in chapter 6, before the flood, God said to Noah, that I will establish my covenant with you, and you will enter the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. God remembers the promise he made to Noah to establish a covenant with him. God's promised to unite himself to Noah through promises he will make. That's what a covenant is, a relationship established on promises. The best example we have of covenants these days is is marriage, right? Marriage is a covenant, a contract between a man and a woman to love and cherish each other and to remain together in sickness and in health till death do they part. Two people, united in a relationship, established on promises. This is a covenant. So God promises to make a covenant with Noah. And God's first promise starts in verse 20. Let's have a look in your Bibles there. Then Noah built an altar. Noah built an altar to the Lord, and taking some of all the clean animals and clean birds, he sacrificed burnt offerings on it. The Lord smelt the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. God's first promise is not just to Noah, but to all living creatures. He promises that he won't curse the ground because of humans and that the seasons will continue as long as life life on earth does. In other words, he's promising that the cycle of life on earth will keep going. He won't add to the curse that he put onto the world because of Adam back in Genesis chapter 3. This promise to God, from God, is to all people at all times. Today, every person in the world is a beneficiary of this promise. Even though in some places in the world there is flooding, even here in Sydney we've we've witnessed that, many, many months of rain and a lot of flooding, yet it was nothing like the flood here in Genesis. The flood in Genesis ended all life on earth. So So God's promise here is to keep the cycle of life going. as long as earth does. The next part of God's covenant with Noah starts in chapter 9, where God blesses Noah and his sons and all creation and says to be fruitful and fill the earth. And if you've been with us over this Genesis series, then you should start having a funny feeling that you've heard this before. God blessed Adam and Eve and the creatures of the sky and of the sea in the same way back in Genesis chapter 1. This time, however, God extends his blessing to the creatures of the land as well. And God also gives Noah the animals as food. So look there in verse 3, chapter 9. Everything that lives and moves will be food for you. I gave you green plants, I now give you everything. This is probably why the blessing is extended to the creatures of the land as well, 
because meat tastes pretty good. There's going to be need for a lot more of them if we're going to eat them. Though God says they mustn't eat things with blood in it. This likely means that they mustn't eat raw meat. So if you like your, take of, like your steak medium, you're probably fine. Uh, I prefer mine medium rare. Uh, I like to live on the edge, you know, so uh, that's, uh, that's probably why. But God does go on to make a more serious point. Anyone who spills human blood, God will demand an account. Anyone or any creature that spills blood will be called to account. For those who spill human blood, by humans, their blood will be spilled. This is where the saying, live by the sword, die by the sword, finds its origins. God will demand life for life taken. Look there in verse 5 or 6 of chapter 9. And for your lifeblood, I will surely demand an accounting. I will demand an accounting for every animal, and from, every, uh, from each human being too. I will demand an accounting for the life of another human being. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans shall their blood be shed. For in the image of God has God made mankind. The word translated here as each human being, in the original language is actually brother. So for each brother who spills the blood of another, God will call them to account. And this is pointing us back to Cain. Cain, the brother who killed Abel. But notice that this isn't a command not to spill blood, but a consequence of spilling blood. God is promising consequences for the shedding of blood. He's saying that he won't let the taking of human life go unpunished. He will hold anyone to account that takes another person's life. But God says to Noah in verse 7, As for you, be fruitful and increase in number. Instead of taking life, Noah and his sons are in to increase life, to multiply and fill the earth. This is the second time that God has told them to be fruitful and bless them in this passage in this way. And this is meant to remind us of Genesis chapter 2. It's using the same language. After God had formed the ground out of the water and the earth was filled with trees and all living creatures of all kinds, he blesses Adam and Eve to be fruitful and multiply. That's because this event here in this passage is to be seen as a fresh start. Noah is meant to be seen as a, a new Adam. This whole event should be seen as a recreation, a new start. And so we should start asking ourselves, is Noah the serpent crusher? So remembering back to Genesis chapter 3, where God says one of Eve's offsprings or descendants will crush Satan. So, is Noah the serpent crusher? Is he the offspring of Eve that will destroy Satan and remove sin? We're told that Noah is a righteous man of his generation. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. He offers sacrifices to God, and by faith he, he builds the ark and saves all creatures and mankind. Surely this is it. The promised offspring of Eve, here it is. But only moments later, after leaving the ark, 
Noah, like a man of the dust, plants a vineyard and gets drunk as he lies there in his nakedness and shame. Noah was not the one to crush Satan and remove sin. In fact, when Noah brought all living things onto the ark, he also brought sin with him. And the hopes for the sin-crushing offspring of Eve seem crushed. But God is faithful to his promises. He made a promise to Noah that he would make a covenant with him. And he did. He said that he would flood the world and destroy it. And he did. He promised not to curse the world again. And he didn't curse it again. He promised to breast creation, to be fruitful. And it did. The world is full of all kinds of animals and creatures. He promised to bless Noah and make nations of him, and he did. From Noah, he raised up many nations. You can read through Genesis and, and see that God did that. See, God is faithful to his promises. God set a sign of his faithfulness with the rainbow. When God looks at it, he is, minded, he is reminded of his promise to all living things on earth. And when we see it, we are reminded of God's faithfulness. Did you, did you realise that? God didn't make the rainbow as a sign of peace or as a sign of his love. He didn't make it for us primarily. God made the rainbow as a sign for himself. When he sees it, he is reminded of his covenant with all living things. Look at verses 13 to 17 of chapter 9 again. I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. Whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. So God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant I have established between me and all life on earth. The rainbow is a sign of God's faithfulness to his covenant relationship with us. When he sees it, he is reminded of his promises that he made to all living things. So when we see it, we are reminded of God's faithfulness to these promises. But if you've been keeping track of God's promises so far, and there's been quite a lot of them, right, so it's understandable right, to lose track of them, then you might notice that there's still a couple that need to be fulfilled. Firstly, where is the serpent crusher that he promised? It obviously wasn't Noah. And what about calling people to account for spilling human blood? People get away with taking human life with seemingly no consequences. How has God been faithful to these promises? They are both fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He is both the serpent crusher and the one who will call people to account. Colossians 2, 14-15 says, 
Having cancelled the charge, that's no, not there. Fine, all good. Having cancelled the charge of legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. In Jesus' death on the cross, he made a spectacle of Satan and his power. Jesus' moment of triumph. Jesus' moment of glory was on the cross when he crushed Satan. Yet his heel was bitten and he died. But in his death, he took sin with him. As Noah took sin with him onto the ark, Jesus took sin with him onto the cross. But it wasn't his own sin which he took, he took our sins and he nailed them to the cross. For some people, you might have taken another person's life, either by accident or deliberate action, or you could be thinking, I've never done such a thing. And the thought that people have makes you furious. But let's read verse 21 again. The Lord smelled the pleasing aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood. We are all sinful. Despite what we have or have not done, we are sinful from childhood before we'd even committed any grievous sin. And it's only by God's grace that I haven't put, been put in a situation where I've been tempted to take someone's life. Because knowing my heart, I'm capable. We all are. But please know this. If you put your faith in Jesus, you will not be held to account for your sins. For Jesus took the punishment that your sins deserve when he was nailed to that cross. Those who trust in Jesus are no longer condemned to the overwhelming flood of guilt, shame, and condemnation that sin brings. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Yet, God will remain faithful to his promise. God will hold people to account. He will judge. And Jesus Christ is that judge. John chapter 5 Verse 22 says, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. The Father has given all authority as the judge of the world to Jesus. Jesus will be the one to call people to account for what they've done. On judgment day, when the world won't be destroyed by water, but by fire, Jesus will be the judge that will hold people to account. That day will come. God has promised it. People mocked Noah and didn't believe him, didn't believe God would do what he said he would, but God kept his promise. So don't make the same mistake as the people of Noah's generation, thinking that God won't fulfill his promises, won't do what he said he would do. That day will indeed come. Though, Jesus also makes a promise in verse 24. 
He says, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. For those who believe in God and listen to the words of Jesus, there's no judgment, only eternal life. So listen to Jesus' words. Believe him, the only one who can save you from the judgment to come and receive eternal life. Who else would you rather trust? God has proven himself trustworthy. He has proven his faithfulness. God is faithful to his promises. He promised a serpent crusher and he came through on his promise. It might have been a few thousand years, but he did indeed deliver on that promise. To this day, he's kept that promise that he made to Noah and all living things. So when he promises that anyone who believes in Christ Jesus will not be judged, but has eternal life, we can be confident that God will deliver on his promise. For our God is a faithful God who keeps his promises. Let's pray. God, every inclination of our heart is evil from childhood. This can bear heavy on our hearts and overwhelm us with guilt and shame. Please remind us regularly that if our faith is in Christ, we are not condemned. We have eternal life. Thank you. We put our trust in many things. We put our trust in many things we shouldn't, and they let us down. Or worse, they deceive us, and we're sorry. Thank you for your trustworthiness, for your faithfulness to your word. No promise you've made will ever be broken. Unlike the seasons of life, you do not change. Help us to remember this truth in times of trouble and times of blessing. Help us to hold tightly to your promises and never let go. In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. Amen.